0: Living life to the full with God, it's a strange title, but very, very appropriate, isn't it? Because isn't life supposed to be about living life to the full? But also, sometimes, life is like this as well. Not knowing people. Maybe, I may need to move from this house. Maybe problems like a friend who's been unwell. Maybe a friend who's died. Maybe challenges. Arguments. Arguments with friends. However good a friendship, sometimes there can be upsets. Maybe there might be challenges like losing a job, rows with neighbours, family worries, all sorts of different things. One of the challenges, I guess, when we feel upset, when we feel at times overwhelmed by these sort of difficulties or preoccupied by these sort of difficulties, is sometimes trying to work out why do I feel as I do and also how can I begin to move forward from that. And one of the things in common for all of these different things, varied as they are, is that they're part of a vicious circle, or can become part of a vicious circle. What do I mean by that? Let's just take one of these things, maybe family worries just to begin with. That may be something that uh, people here uh, in the auditorium uh, are facing at the moment, maybe concerns about a a child, a son, a daughter, uh, a spouse, maybe a parent, maybe a more distant relative, Uh, but worries... And when we have worries about uh, those people, or worries about a relationship, or maybe a challenge that they're facing, uh, our thinking alters. We often tend to get preoccupied by it, focused on it. Uh, sometimes if we're prone to worry, uh, we can uh, really dwell on things and build things up and up and up in our minds. Our feelings can alter. And it's uh, uh, probably If we think at last Christmas or the last few years, we'll be very aware that sometimes families have a knack of putting their fingers on strong emotions, sometimes very positive emotions, sometimes emotions of frustration or upset or anger, perhaps, sometimes. But there may be strong feelings if the family worries. Anxiety, for example. Concern. Our thoughts, our feelings aren't in boxes. We're whole people. God designed us to be whole people, to be able to think, to feel, to feel things physically as well as just mentally. So uh, when we worry, emotionally, it also affects how we are physically. Our hearts might speed up, we might feel tense, we might uh, uh, not be able to sleep at night, we might toss and turn, uh, we might feel uh, quite on edge. And all of these things can add up to alter our behavior too. So if we're worried about someone, we might uh, try and wrap them in cotton wool, prevent them from doing things. We might uh, instead uh, become overly concerned, asking them about everything, reassuring uh, or reassurance-seeking all the time. So lots of different ways our behaviour can alter. Sometimes we might steer clear of somebody, because we're not quite sure how to offer support. I don't know if you've noticed that when people get unwell. We're often really, really good with family and friends and people in churches, uh, for example, uh, in the first week or two, getting cards, getting flowers, dropping by. But often it becomes a lot more difficult if people don't get better. And it goes on weeks and months, and the months turn into years, and uh, sometimes people can feel they've run out of things to say or not quite sure what to say. And of course what they should say is just have a normal conversation. But it sometimes feels quite stuck. So alter behavior can occur. People can withdraw or talk about bland things rather than things that are important, for example. Let's just see if this fits, this model fits with everyday life. Uh, has anyone here got a son, a daughter, a nephew, a niece, any, anything like that? Lots of people. Let, let's imagine you're taking that person, that child, maybe a four or five year old, shopping. So you've been tasked with going shopping, you've maybe gone somewhere, Argos or whatever, and you get preoccupied with the little pens and all these sort of things that you're trying to find, uh, and you turn around and they've gone. Has anyone lost a child like that? I, I have. Glasgow Science Museum, they asked me what she, what she looked like, what she's wearing, and I said, clothes, which really <laughs> didn't particularly... Uh, Help. Let's just think about that situation. Anyone who's been in that situation, uh, what goes through your mind? Do you sit down and think, oh, I have a systematic search strategy? <laughs> she'll just turn up. Or I was thinking, somebody grabbed her, she'll be wandering off, she'll be in the car park, knocked over, all of those things. You feel that flash of anxiety, emotionally and physically. And I wasn't particularly systematic, searching in a planned way. And there's a few people nodding, I think, uh, people in that same situation. We don't do that. How about another one? Has anyone here been in a situation where you've uh, been shopping, got back home, found your child, uh, dropped them off wherever, and you've got back home and you just can't find your wallet or your purse? Has anyone had that? What pops into mind? Maybe it's been stolen. And again, we might have that flash of anxiety, that physical flash of anxiety. Has anyone cancelled cards? and then found them ten minutes later. Me me too. This model I'm beginning to introduce is one that will be uh, I think familiar to a number of people here, but also will be a new idea to to others too. And it's based on a model called cognitive, which means thinking, behavioral therapy, which is a form of psychotherapy that uh, that, uh, was developed by an American psychiatrist Professor Aaron Beck, and uh, its central tenets is that what people think What people believe can have a big impact on how they feel, emotionally and physically. And what people think and believe can have a big impact on what they do. Sounds very like faith, doesn't it? What people think and believe, affects how they feel and what they do, uh, informs how we live our lives or not. And uh, one of the things about cognitive behavioral therapy, it's been around quite a long time now, since the early 1950s. There's been a lot of research done on it that has uh, both supported the basic model but also crucially shown that these sort of approaches can be very effective. Uh, I just put these up uh, just really to remind myself to say that there's various people in uh, universities in the uh, health service who do uh, planned uh, detailed reviews to try and find out what treatment approaches are effective for problems like depression, low mood, anxiety, panic, uh, phobias, fears, these sorts of things. There's a whole history over the last five to ten years of report after report indicating that cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, is a very effective treatment for depression, anxiety, worry, panic, phobias, fears of heights and spiders and uh, uh, going into big shops, all of those things. But there's a big issue and uh, one of the big issues is that uh, uh, although access within health services is significantly improving, there's still lots of delays, but there's also issues about how to translate CBT. Because even using those initials, CBT or cognitive, when was the last time you were at home and you talked to a family member or friend about, oh, I had some real worrying cognitions. We don't talk like that. We talk about our worries, what we're concerned about, what's what's happened today. And uh, that's one of the real challenges in CBT because it's got so many strengths of being a practical, pragmatic approach that can really make a big difference to help people Tackle and respond to upsetting thoughts. Help people face fears and rebuild confidence. Help people become more active and boost how they feel. But also jargon sometimes gets in the way. Let's just think about a faith perspective on this. About how someone with a faith might find that faith affected. If they're feeling low or down. If something's important in someone's life and they develop anxiety. If they develop depression or other mental health difficulties and are struggling. It's bound to affect Anything that's important in life that will affect your relationship with your children, with your partner, with colleagues at work, with friends at the, uh, at the employment office, all of these different things. Uh, and it will therefore also affect our relationship with God, because depression does that. It affects how we relate to people, including our relationship with God. It might cause us to alter our, feel- our thinking, focusing on our failures. I quite often have conversations with people about what have you done in the last week, the last two weeks, and very often when people are depressed, they look at the last two weeks and they say, I've just done nothing. Done nothing. Nothing I've done that's been worthwhile. And yet you may have seen them or had conversations as the conversation goes on, realising that actually they've done far more than they recognise. But when you're in the middle of depression, all you can look at is the things you don't do. The failures, the struggles, the things that have gone wrong. The positive bits get somehow left behind. We sometimes talk of people of having rose-tinted spectacles, don't we? And it's quite the opposite. If you can get the opposite of rose-tinted, it's, uh, it's looking at uh, things, looking at yourself, looking at your church maybe, looking at people around, looking at the things that happen, and just seeing the difficulties, the challenges. Looking to the future and just seeing more of the same, more difficulties. And of course, when we're thinking like this, when people are feeling very low, there may be Depression, maybe very low mood. People, when they have a faith, uh, often have different things that drive that faith and support that faith. Often it's based on belief and uh, and thinking. But often for many people, something that's very, very important is that sense of feeling, that emotional connection with God, feeling of a closeness uh, with God, for example. Or a feeling of closeness to other people, maybe in uh, Bible study groups and churches. Or friends, neighbours, people around them. That sense of closeness, can be severely damaged in depression. Just part and parcel of depression. And there may be other emotions too when people are struggling. Feeling angry, irritable. Things that normally you just laugh off really strike home. Really strike uh, home to heart. Uh, There may be other emotions like guilt or shame. Or importantly, I think, uh, false guilt. And uh, false guilt is where people feel guilty for something that really there's no cause for but it's caused by the depression rather than actually to something the person has done or not done. And of course with depression, life can feel as if uh, you're swimming through treacle. It's not just feeling mentally depressed, it's a whole person thing. A feeling low energy, hard to do things, difficult to do things, uh, maybe sleeping poorly, maybe feeling physically agitated, and a range of other things. And all of these things add up to affect behaviour. It may be a real struggle getting to church. Because of the Worries and concerns with thoughts, there may be all sorts of thoughts that, about what it's like to be a Christian for example, what it's like to have a faith. As Christians are we supposed to be happy all the time and victorious and smiley? Are we allowed to be not smiling and sad and a bit irritable and ratty sometimes? Which is very human. And it's very human particularly at times during depression or anxiety. So there's uh, lots of issues because it's so tempting when things build up to mind-read, to second-guess what other people think of us, and to start avoiding people, to avoid those potential judgments. And the crucial part of this is that uh, often the fears that people have are often just that, fears and concerns. People jump to conclusions, they mind-read and second-guess that others find them boring or think that they're failing or whatever. In fact, the other person very often is thinking no such thing. We see this so much in churches, don't we, that uh, people start arriving late for church and leaving early, or just standing in the corner at coffee and and then then quickly leaving. It's very often uh, because of the thoughts going through through the person's mind to actually leave and get out. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had a conversation with somebody who's been in a dilemma and they've come back a week or two later and said, what you said last time really made a big difference? Has anyone had that? Maybe you've had that situation yourself, you've been thinking about a job, a relationship, a house or flat move, and you've had a real dilemma about something. And You've chatted to somebody and they've said something that's really clicked, really struck home as being helpful. You've understood things differently. That idea of effective questions is very much at the hallmark of how cognitive behavioural therapy tries to work. It tries to work by asking questions. And again, if we think from a faith perspective, Uh, and look in uh, particularly uh, the Gospels, lots of questions to help challenge people or encourage people or help people work out what their situation is. And CBT works by asking questions to help people understand why they feel as they do. It helps people try to identify problems that are relevant for them. They want to work on changing. But crucially, it's something that's not done alone. It's done with support. It's done with support from practitioners. It's done with support from family and friends. It's done potentially with support from people like us. But also part of CBT that's one of the most exciting developments uh, in the last 10 or 15 years is it's moved away from being delivered in one form only by American psychiatrists to lots of people, both one-to-one but also in classes. But also because you can ask questions one-to-one, can you ask questions in other ways? And of course you can. You can ask questions written down in the book or ask questions in a class situation with a number of people there. There are different ways of delivering and getting access to CBT. And there's been a real growth in the idea of using bigger and smaller books that try and teach CBT principles. DVDs. Uh, There's a a free DVD that uh, was sponsored by the Scottish Government Health Department, which is available online as a website I'll tell you about later, uh, for example, that use these sort of uh, principles. Online resources, uh, a growing uh, Evidence-based for these things as another way of delivering cognitive behavioral therapy. But also, if we think about faith, it's not just about doing things alone. And CBT isn't about doing things alone either. Uh, there's some very clear evidence now that although books based on CBT principles can be very effective, if you add in support and encouragement from someone, whether a practitioner or somebody else, it hugely increases the impact and the effectiveness. Those of you who had New Year's resolutions last year, those of you who joined a gym with lots of uh, uh, positive thoughts, how long did it last when we try and do it on our own? Because well, if there's somebody else asking how it's going, encouraging, helping us make a plan, can make a big difference. So support really matters. And that support, of course, can be one-to-one, or in classes as well. And uh, some of the initial work that uh, uh, was involved with uh, uh, the Feeling Like This uh, website was mentioned, which was linked into a book uh, that... Uh, uh, with, uh, with friends Paul Richards and Ingrid Witten uh, wrote a number of years ago uh, called I'm not supposed to feel like this. But isn't that so much how people often feel when they have a faith and become depressed or anxious, that I'm not supposed to feel like this. And there can be all sorts of emotions that tie into it which block the person from actually seeking help or receiving help. Thoughts of failing, that we shouldn't be like this, failing God, failing our church, failing our family, People believing they should be strong, should be smiley, should be victorious. Whereas actually, was Jesus always happy? Did he ever cry? Did he ever lose his temper? It's not very nice losing your temper. Jesus lost his temper. Very important things to be thinking about, about what it's like to be human as well. just want to talk about some classes that are based on this same approach. And uh, these classes uh, are ones that have been running in various settings. They've been running in some church settings, they've been running in some school settings. They've been running uh, in social services, in some hospital settings, in a range of ones. And they're called living life to the full classes. And uh, those living life to the full classes can also be run as living life to the full with God classes. Because the content of the discussion is informed by the people who come. And the concerns they have, the questions they have, the issues they want to raise. There are eight sessions that cover all sorts of different topics like why do I feel like this, how to fix almost everything, I can't be bothered doing anything, why does everything always go wrong, uh, the things I do that mess, uh, mess me up, various other topics. I'm just going to just show you, just to give a flavour of what these classes are like, just some slides from uh, uh, this module which lasts just over an hour. Uh, not just now, lasts about four minutes just now. Uh, but the thing that makes it last an hour, yeah, don't worry about you're blowing completely your agenda. Uh, the, uh, the thing that makes it last an hour is it is the same number of slides as I'll show you, but you do the slides slowly discussing them, thinking about how is this relevant to me? How can I apply this or not in my life? Do we ever say these things to ourselves? Always mess things up. Things will just go from bad to worse. Even if we don't generally say these things, we may be more prone to say these things if we're feeling stressed, or tired, or hassled, or low, or down. I didn't do anything right this week. Everyone thinks I'm a loser. Nobody likes me. I must always do my best. I'm so useless. It's all my fault. And again, this idea that sometimes what we think, affecting how we feel, can spoil our lives. Can I just give an example of this just to ask you to reflect in your own life uh, a little? Uh, And uh, let's just pick two scenarios. Let's imagine that you have to get somewhere really important. And you've travelled to that interview, that appointment, that wedding, whatever it is, and you get stuck in traffic. And you can see the venue, see the church, see the place where you're going to have the interview, and it's maybe half a mile away, and you're stuck in traffic, there's roadworks there. What would go through your mind? How would you feel? Physically, would you feel calm and at rest? Would your heart be going, your breathing be going, getting tensed up? What would your behavior be? Would you do a Michael Douglas and leave the car and uh, and walk off? Or uh, would you stay in the car? What would you do? Would you get heated? Would you sound the horn? Would you be doing other things? How about another one? Uh, Uh, Is there anyone here who are church leaders or lead lead talks or those sort of things? So let's imagine uh, you've prepared for something and you're giving a talk and then halfway through you look down and somebody leaves or somebody yawns. How about yawns and leaves? (laughs) So the situation is someone yawns and leaves. Okay. What might go through your mind if you're mind reading? Maybe they're bored, perhaps. How would you feel? You might feel quite down, you might feel anxious, maybe others will leave. Nobody will feel they can leave now, you can leave. (laughs) So you might feel anxious about that. That physical anxiety might kick in. You might alter your behavior, so, so keen to make it extra interesting. So my voice might speed up or all sorts of different things. Let's just think again about upsetting thoughts. Because upsetting thoughts can worsen how we feel and also affect what we do in ways that backfire. And uh, at times when we feel anxious, or low, or depressed, those sort of upsetting thoughts come into mind far, far more than normally would do at times when we're feeling more balanced and happier. What advice do people often give to each other about how to deal with worries and fears? They often say things like, try not to think about it. Has anyone said that to us? Try not to think about it. Yep. Can we try, just for the next 30 seconds, I'll do this too, we'll all do this uh, together, can we try really hard not to think about a white polar bear? anyone noticing anything? (laughs) There's a lot of research that shows if you try really really hard not to think about things they come on even more and we might succeed maybe a number of people here could succeed not thinking about the white polar bear for five minutes or ten minutes by thinking about a black polar bear or a red polar bear but could you do that for five hours or five days or five weeks or five months? It's not a very effective way of tackling thoughts but thankfully Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, uh, in this research, has found some really effective ways of helping people deal and tackle with these sorts of thoughts. And uh, I'd like to introduce you to the ABTPB, the amazing bad thought-busting (laughs) programme, which is label it, leave it, stand up to it. I have to admit, that isn't in Aaron Beck's original text. uh, Give yourself a break and look at it differently. The first step is to label it. Think about your own lives. At times when you get anxious and stressed, big interviews, big decisions, big days, does that anxiety or tension affect you physically? Do you notice tension headaches? Do you notice butterfly tummy, going to the loo a lot, pacing around a lot? Those of you who've been in exams recently might look around before exams and see people doing anxiety in all sorts of different ways. When we go over the months or years from anxious situation to stressful situation, to, again, a further future anxiety-provoking situation. We tend to fall in the same patterns, where we'll notice tension headaches again and again if we're prone to that. Or we'll notice a rapid heart, or feeling sick, or butterflies in the tummy. Whatever it is, we tend to fall into certain patterns that happen again and again. That, too, can also happen with our thinking. And as part of the class, we do some experimenting. Using a bad thought spotter, you can download, by the way, all these uh, worksheets uh, uh, for free if you're interested afterwards uh, from, uh, from the website. But a bad thought spotter asks questions about, do we mind read? Do we jump to the worst conclusions? Do we feel responsible for things? So, for example, if we have a party, if we have people around for a meal, do we feel personally responsible that everyone should have a good time? Even though we do have some responsibility, but not total. The people coming also have some responsibility. Do we ever say words to ourselves like, I should, I must, I ought, I've got to. Or something goes wrong with, oh, just typical, things always mess up. Use words like always. because These are the sorts of uh, words that are very helpful to pick up, uh, but they're often quite extreme and often quite unhelpful. So labelling things, trying to work out again and again over stressful situations, times of low mood, do we have these patterns that we fall into. And those patterns can affect how we see ourselves, our situation, our relationships, our relationships at church, with our ministers, with our pastors, our relationships with God, about falling short, about feeling that God's disappointed with us. All sorts of different things. Second approach that can be very effective for dealing with upsetting thoughts is to leave it To try not just to go that route of going over things and over things. That's one of the hallmarks of worry. It's a bit like chewing the cud for cows. uh, We just go over things again and again and again. It feels like we're sorting problems out. But actually a hallmark of worry is we never sort the problem out. It just goes round and round and round. It's not the same as problem solving. It's just turning things over. So taking a step back, choosing not to do that, choosing to note that pattern of thought, but not go down that route can be really helpful. Have you ever thought that sometimes bad thoughts are like bullies? And they tell us things like, you're useless. Don't try it. You'll fail. One of the things about bullies, if we think back to times where maybe we, friends, family members have been bullied at school, is one of the best things to do with bullies is actually to stand up to them. Because one of the things that actually reinforces scary thoughts is when we give in to them. And start avoiding things. One of the problems about avoiding things is it makes us feel better in the short term. But slowly, slowly over time we lose more and more confidence. Our will gets smaller and smaller and smaller. What about the fourth approach? Give yourself a break. There's so much in the Bible, isn't there? About God loving us. Wanting to forgive us. Seeing who we really could be through Jesus. But also what we know about anxiety and depression is that when we feel like this, when we think like this, we often say things to ourselves we would never say to people that we care about. Does that ring true? That we'll say things to ourselves we'd never want to say out loud maybe to people that we care about. But we'll say them to ourselves, and crucially we say them to ourselves in a highly critical nasty tone. So changing the tone, speaking out loud, positive, true, compassionate, Loving promises about being loved, forgiven, can be really helpful. But changing the tone, changing the content. And finally, moving to a more classic cognitive behavioral therapy approach, which is to try and look at things differently. So much when people get anxious or scared or depressed, the world funnels in on just part of the total picture. People become preoccupied and stuck on that particular problem, that particular difficulty. You can only see life as if it's a blind alleyway, just stuck on one thing. And could lose the wider picture. There's some very, very helpful, proven questions that help us take a wider picture. So, what advice would you give a friend, for example? I don't know if you've ever found this that uh, um, you might be in a really difficult situation. A friend comes along facing something similar. You can give great advice to them, but can we apply it to ourselves? So, what advice would you give a friend? Also, will you feel like this in three months or six months? If you think back in your life, there's probably a number of times where you felt stuck, overwhelmed, frustrated, that things have just built up and up, and uh, that it's almost impossible at the time. But even a few months later, when you look back, you've survived it. You've got beyond it. Things have improved. There's a variety of different ways of helping change, people change a perspective. And of course, one of the crucial ones for living life full with God is also holding on to the promises of the Bible for changing that perspective, for seeing problems differently, for seeing the possibility that uh, God can work for the good in all things, and that there are other people around in churches, and family and friends who can also support. The amazing bad thought busting programs, label it, leave it, stand up to it, give yourself a break and look at it differently, the discussion that makes it a faith-based course is when it's attended by people with the faith. Because as you'll have seen, there's very little on the slides The content is how you then apply this to your own life. So what are the thoughts, the fears, the behaviours, the concerns that can affect us, can affect people who attend church, people with a faith? And of course in classes it's normal people like you and I. And normal people like you and I sometimes have doubts and sometimes predict this just won't work. So there's lots of practice in the classes, helping each other practice it. Identifying thoughts and trying to use the ABTPB again and again to try and work out how can I change some of these thoughts, some of these fears. And there are various pieces of uh, worksheet to help people identify their thoughts and begin to then work on challenging them. And at the end of uh, each of the sessions, there's a time to plan things, uh, plan how to put what's been learned into practice. Because uh, having a plan significantly increases the likelihood of improvement and uh, making the changes. And there's a quick advert for the following week, which is, in this case, I'm not good enough, which is about low confidence. And uh, then that session would end. Each of the different classes is accompanied by some little books with the same title. There's a range of different books on things like, are you strong enough to keep your temper? One of the sessions. Because irritability can be part and parcel of life when we're feeling stressed. How to fix almost everything. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And of course, for people with a faith, part of how to fix almost everything, tackling problems, is about praying and trusting and helping each other. As well as having plans and breaking tasks down and doing things one step at a time. Do we ever do things that mess us up? I think we probably do. And uh, um, sin, I guess, is one of the things that can mess us up. And there's lots of different ways that we can do things that backfire. Drinking, smoking, pushing people away, getting rude and angry uh, about people. Another topic, topics like I can't be bothered doing anything as well. If you want to read any of these booklets, uh, there's a website, and uh, I t- said here it's two weeks access. You've actually got four weeks access, because uh, I had a phone call just before saying it was easy for the person who's doing it to put it up for four weeks. So uh, if you want to read any of these booklets, it's at fiveareasonline.com, uh, and they're all there uh, covering various different things. There's a username and password you just have to put in, which is mind and soul, which hopefully is re- memorable. No spaces, uh, and it's all lowercase. So if you want to have a look at that, it's fiveareasonline.com. Uh, mind and soul, in both the username and the password. Are these groups any good? There's been an independent evaluation, uh, which is still ongoing in uh, uh, Northern Ireland. Is there anyone here from Northern Ireland? Okay, And uh, uh, that, that, that's, that's great, led by AWARE. And uh, those of you from Northern Ireland may, may well be aware of uh, AWARE, uh, defeat depression. There's also AWARE in error as well, and I know these classes are launching in, in ERA next month, uh, with uh, uh, health service funding, uh, this is um, something that's been rolled out across Northern Ireland for the last year and uh, I think the key thing is there's 20 groups, 169 participants so far and this is the key slide and the next one that to begin with, most people starting the Living Life Full classes were depressed and afterwards, weren't. And overall, it's only less than 10% were happy to begin with increasing to over 70% of people feeling happy at the end on a commonly used rating questionnaire. Uh, Only 15% of people weren't feeling depressed at the beginning. Uh, And uh, um, just under 80% were depressed before the uh, package began, before the groups, the classes began, dropping to 13%. It seems to be very impactful. And people learning things, 100% of people attending the course recommended it. These are some of the things that people have said that it's given tools to battle anxiety and depression. Understood what I've been feeling for years. One of the things I've really liked about how they've run it in Northern Ireland is they've really focused on establishing friendships. If somebody doesn't come, for example, uh, there's a, a nice phone call that happens saying, you know, we noticed you didn't make it today. And just to say, we missed you. I wondered if you'd be able to make it next time. This is about establishing relationships as much as learning the stuff in the content, if you like. And you're wanting to try and encourage people to become more confident and uh, use some of the methods and improve relationships. Just to link all this together, these same classes are currently being loaded on a website which is actually live on the web, and it's within about two weeks from uh, uh, being launched. It's been done jointly with the Charity Jubilee Trust, which is based in Doncaster, some of you may know in and uh, Alison Mayer, uh, who are... Uh, uh, trustees of that. Uh, this website um, is one that's free. Um, the precursor of it is called Living Life to the Full. Uh, is still up as well. We've had over 120,000, actually it's 131,000 uh, people currently registered with the course. gets around a million and a half hits a month. Uh, the uh, uh, site that this is replacing gets, uh, gets that many. Uh, the classes, all the classes, all the handouts are going on this website, which will be fully launched at the beginning of next month. It's up and can be used now, but there's errors with it. They're not significant errors. You could go and have a reasonable time going through it, but we're just uh, uh, tidying it up at the moment. The thing that really excites me is both that website's launching, uh, but also uh, there's a copy of that website is being launched in January, which is tying in with the Mind and Soul websites. I've been uh, chatting with Rob quite a lot about this, about uh, how the Mind and Soul course could link in with the Living Life Before With God course. So there's going to be a copy of these modules, uh, again led by Jubilee uh, Trust, uh, and the main differences are uh, that the Living Life to the Full course won't have the Faith-Based Perspective overtly there, whereas the Living Life to the Full with God course uh, will have additional uh, changes to audio to bring attention to encouraging Bible verses, for example. That's not to overdo that. It's about getting a balance because uh, I think when people are feeling depressed or anxious, what's not helpful is having loads and loads of biblical teaching. I think it's helpful to know things, but it's there to encourage and to inform and to help people feel normal to feel like this. To have helpful things that really encourage people through things. And of course the forums, the discussion forums on those sites uh, will uh, have faith topics that people can discuss about faith and about what it's like to have faith when you're struggling with low mood, about feeling distance from church, about feeling angry about things, about having doubts and concerns. But to have then a faith community who can also encourage and say sensible things, and again also sometimes not say easy pat things, but just say things like it is really difficult, Uh, but these are some things that have really helped me. Uh, We're looking also at uh, Jubilee and possibly other charities, providing telephone support to encourage people to use that site uh, as well. It's a model we've, we've also looked at for the Living Life of the Full site, which there's uh, a couple of charities li- lined up to potentially do that. I'll uh, stop there. Thank you. <clears throat> Are there any, uh, any easy questions? Somebody just uh, in the red about five rows back. You you mentioned earlier um, about standing up to a bully. Standing up to? A bully. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, And that is something I found really difficult to do, and I think a lot of people do find it difficult to do. Mm -hmm. So you have to stand up to them. Is there no way around that? I think the... It's really using it as an example about, The thoughts say things like, if we're invited somewhere, uh, for example to a meal out with friends, when we're feeling low, when we're feeling anxious, the thought will say things like, you won't enjoy it, you'll have nothing to say, it'll be terrible. And uh, that haranguing goes on internally and it uh, saps confidence and the tendency is to say, oh well I won't go then. And it's quite, quite understandable. Because if we genuinely believe, I won't enjoy it, it will be terrible, I'll have nothing to say. Mm. It's quite, quite understandable why we might not go. But I guess using the bully analogy, it's almost saying, actually, I w- I'm going to do the opposite of that. I'm going to go and find out. Because mm. actually, when we choose to go and find out, it's often far, far better than we would have anticipated. And that could be quite easy, really. It, and it, do, and it's that? those sort of things. It's, it's exactly that. It's, it's trying to look at what's it saying not to do and to begin to start Doing some of them. Some of those things might seem like too big a step to begin with. Mm. So it might be too big a voice, if you like. But in which case, just doing small steps, trying to build confidence step by step, would be the way of doing it. Thank you. That's helpful. Working in a care home with 20 palliative beds and a lot of dementia, um, there's a very good support group of the relatives Uh, But their anxiety is going to be long-term. Would the course be helpful to them? I think it's exactly the sort of group of people who could potentially benefit because Dementia is so so hard because you see someone that you love, know and care for deteriorating and and almost getting lost and uh, uh, I think it can be really helpful both for understanding together the emotions, the anxiety, the anger, the frustration, the depression that, that can be there. And just a sense of loss for, so discussing and, and sharing ideas. But also for understanding sometimes why, why people with the dementia are doing what they do. That when they shout out go away and things like that, knowing um, that perhaps that's because of their thinking, that they're misremembering who the person is or are confused. And uh, therefore their emotions as they're scared and physically they get very uptight and, and, uh, in their behavior. then agitated and shouting, go away, go away. Understanding what's going on can be really helpful. Unde- understanding the process of dementia can be really helpful. Uh, so, so, I th- so I think, yes. Uh, and uh, um, there is real power, I think, in just being able to discuss things with people in a similar situation. As well as, hopefully, the, the, the content, which hopefully will be useful or somewhat useful, uh, of the actual classes and, and the link books. Somebody just at the back... Uh, Um, I have a relation who's uh, been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh, They've had a course of CBT with the mental health professionals um, and they've seemed to have gone back. There seem to be some valuable things come from it and then there didn't seem to be enough follow-up by the uh, mental health professionals. Um, I'm wondering if what you've said on that uh, website, I can encourage that person to get on that website and, uh, and um, that might help them with um, a follow-up, if you like, a complementary type of thing for the CBT that they've had. Yeah. Well, one of the, thank you for the question. One, one of the things that is uh, recommended by these expert review bodies for schizophrenia is uh, medication, where it's appropriate, but also cognitive behavioural therapy uh, as a means of helping people again understand symptoms, make links between things, Uh, become more active and get out and often for understanding quite scary experiences like hearing voices when there's nobody there or uh, having all sorts of fears that can really overwhelm that there's uh, uh, sometimes strange or unusual or threatening things going on. CBT can certainly help that and it tends to be the more expert level would be appropriate for uh, expert qualified practitioners doing one-to-one work would be the level needed uh, for schizophrenia. However, I think websites like this uh, wouldn't work well with helping people cope with hearing voices uh, or those very distressing thoughts, but they might well be helpful for things like sleeping better and tackling problems. I may be thinking about how the person talks and relates to people, being assertive or not assertive, for example. So i differentiate that it could be useful for those sort of things, how to, uh, do practical problem-solving, sleeping better, being assertive, maybe becoming slightly more active. Those sort of things I think would be uh, potentially helpful. For I think, though, it wouldn't be addressing how to cope with hallucinations and uh, and delusions, for example. And I think that would be perhaps going, encouraging them to go back to their doctor to ask whether it's possible to have additional sessions or uh, uh, or, or a, a further course of CBT. Um. Having heard what you've said, I'm confident that CBT and the tools you've described are useful for helping individuals, but in the context of the UK being very unequal as a society and that creating great levels of unhappiness, what about injustice? One of the big attractions to me of CBT is it's not about sticking our heads in the sand and saying... Uh, everything's fantastic, everyone likes me, life is good. Uh, Because for many people life actually isn't that good uh, at times. and uh, uh, There are real challenges of employment, unemployment, uh, challenges of relationships around the person, some of which are supportive and helpful, some of which are undermining, damaging, violent, oppressive, abusive, uh, and some uh, really with no relationships around, sort of feeling isolated, lonely. Uh, All these things, debt, um, housing problems, all of these things can be there and can build up and up and up. Uh, If we take any of us and put us in a really challenging, difficult situation where there's one thing after another, after another, happening over the weeks or months, building up, I think most of us could feel pretty depressed or anxious if enough bad things happened. Faith can really help, but also... Uh, CBT can help. I, I believe help people cope with things, but that's no excuse for not saying that external practical things don't need sorting. Okay, Chris. Uh, we've had one, just about thinking, basically. We've had a request for the, your last slide to be put back up with the information on, please. Sorry. We've got one more question. It's mind and soul. I should say is the login for Five Areas Online. If uh, you want to use that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, I was just wondering how accessible is the CBT therapy. And who's, you know, is it it just available for anybody within the mental health services? Who sets the criteria of who gets what? In services, uh, there has been a real challenge, historically, with big waiting lists, which I think is demoralizing for practitioners. It's really demoralizing for people on the waiting list and their families and friends. Uh, In England and across the UK, there's been significant investment in England in something called IAPT, Increasing Access to Psychological Therapies, uh, which has been introduced in around 50% of of, uh, of places around around England, which offers faster access to CBT. And that's supposed to be within a couple of weeks' access. But there are still lots of places uh, around Britain that uh, are delayed. Uh, I think it's very much about reminding uh, health boards and uh, PCTs, a bit like the last speaker, was saying about their obligations uh, about uh, about delivery. But also there are increasingly other ways of also accessing CBT, and I think CBT Books. There's some very good websites. So Mood Gym is another uh, website that's widely used. Uh, it's an Australian website. Uh, Living Life the Fool is quite, quite widely used. Um, hopefully the uh, variants of uh, uh, Feeling Like This and also uh, the uh, New Living Life to Full with, uh, with God 's sight might be useful for people who, uh, who have a faith uh, as well. But I think uh, uh, it's really across the board. Uh, things are improving, but as always, more needs to be done. Okay, thank you, Chris. Let's say a warm thank you to Chris.